0: Lord, my heart
1: congregation there's many that are in great battles there's many that have things that go deep in our lives we're living in very trying and testing times and we need the Spirit of God this morning we need the Word of God this morning There's only one thing that will defeat the devil any time, any place, anywhere. Heavenly Father, if I would ask for a show of hands this morning, as we're now just between you and ourselves, Lord, there'd be many that would lift their hands up. We need you, Lord, this morning. We're inviting you to come this morning. Lord, there's more than what a man could do this morning to speak. But we're asking the Holy Ghost to come, to make the impression, to do a work that no man can do, Lord. I need it, Lord. We all need it. We need the Holy Ghost, Lord. We need refillings of the Holy Ghost. Father, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. Won't you come today? Lord, I've got some words and some notes and I've had battles just coming to the pulpit this morning. But, oh God, I'm asking you, come and minister to your people this morning. We ask your blessing now. We Thank you for every special, every song, everyone that's here, those that are listening in. Take this service into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'll ask you to turn to Revelations 22. This is the scripture we turn to on Wednesday. This will be a little bit of a continuation of that. Revelations 22. Let's just turn to verse 12, 10, verse 10 rather. Revelations 22, I'll just start the reading from verse 10. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he that is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. Now we're all striving for that time. We're all striving to be ready for his coming. I believe that's your hearts this morning. Amen. In verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you You, these things in the churches, I'm the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'll ask you to go with me also to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We are living in a time that we call the, um, the revealing of truth, the open, opening of the book. Um, these are things that we hold dear to ourselves, and they're phrases we can use, and if we're not careful, we just run over them. And we can say we have these truths, but I would like to say to you, the book is still opening today. Uh, It it has to open to us individually. It can't be just a a book. We can say it's somewhere, whatever it is in Jeffersonville over in Tucson or wherever it is, that's the book. We've got to attain to it. No, the book has to open right here. And that's why we were here this morning. I trust that's why you're here this morning. Ephesians 5, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, I I don't want to just make this about women to men and men to women, but there's a spiritual application. We are the bride of Christ. And I would like to say, as a bride, there's a distinction between the church and the bride. So you need to read into this. What is the bride to do before she leaves? What is the church doing before they go into a tribulation? So what is the bride doing? Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. He is not just a meek man. He is the Word. He is what we're coming to. And he says, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This is what we're attaining to. We can't do this in our flesh. We can't do this in our strength. We can only do, the only thing that we need to do in order to do that is to open our heart. To submit our heart as Mary did and say, be it unto me according to your word. If you called me, if you chose me and you chose me to be a part of this, Lord, keep doing our work this morning. I want to be here this morning, submitting myself to that. I I, I think I'm just going to stop the reading there, if I can, and and we'll we'll leave it there. So, as I said this morning, uh, we are living in a time of the revealing of truth. So, if I can take the title, and I'll, I'll take a continuation of Wednesday, which was the Spirit, the Prophet, and the Bride, Part Two, but I want to just focus on the submitted heart this morning. It's a time of uniting. If you, if you would look at the world around us, it's a time when the world is uniting. Uh, you, you, can, you can look and you can see how their COVID has divisive as it is, and it is divisive. It's divisive, and I believe it's a tool, and if we're not careful, we play into the hands of of the enemy, but it's divisive in our physical separation. It's divisive also in the mind and the spirit realm. And Satan is there to distract you. He's there to bring division. He's there to separate brother from brother, sister from sister. I say we need more love of God. We need more grace than ever to abide in what God has told us. I'm not going to submit to the plague that's going in in the world around us. And it's going on around us. So it's divisive. It's there. And and there's agendas coming up behind it. And And I will say... So you begin to see a uniting. You see nations that were polar opposites of each other. You can talk from China to the USA. You can talk from, from Russia to, to the Western world. And yet they're all united in wearing masks. They're all united in vaccines. They're all united in this is what we've got to do and travel restrictions and all of these things. And it's bringing things into place. Now It's also bringing other agendas. It's bringing economics into a place where every world has spent so much, gone into debt so much, they don't have the money to cover it anymore, and they will need to sell out somewhere. And they're going to sell out to Rome in the end. They're going to give their heart to Rome. They're uniting to that already. Listen, I, 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 that Rome is one, you know, every country has had their thing. Rome has been awfully quiet in this whole thing. But Rome is at work behind all of this. And if you're listening to this taper out there and, and you, you can say these things, these things will not be easy to say down the road. But they're the truth. And we need to say them. And we need to be aware of them. And so that's what's happening in the world around us. So there's a uniting that's happening. There's a coming together that's in, 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 in political circles, in economic circles, but it also comes in religious circles. And it's bringing a uniting, and there's a uniting that's happening under the... Uh, and the Bible would talk about it in Revelations 13, how all the world will, will come and worship the image unto the beast. So the image is not Rome itself, but it's the ecumenical image, it's the world council of churches, it's what they're coming to, and, and, and everything's beginning to be labeled, everything's beginning, and if you're not in that system, if you're not uniting, if you're not coming together, you will be an outcast. So that's the uniting that's happening in the world around us. But there's also another uniting, and it's it's the minority. It's a group of people that are selling themselves out, I, I, I've lived in this world, I've lived in Laodicea, I've participated in Laodicea, I've worked in Laodicea, I've done these things, but my heart's not on those things anymore. My heart's on greater things. My heart is on what God says. I'm not interested in what every government says, I'm not interested in what every opinion is. I'm not interested in every Google thing, in everything that's out there, but I'm interested in one thing. That's the Word of God, the truth of God, and I hold that dear to my heart. Don't let any man rob you of that. As zealous, God has always been zealous over His Word, and the people He is drawing to Himself are a people that are also zealous over His Word. Now, every word will be fulfilled. While I was away, I was was reading some of the messages I referred to you, how in 1957, Brother Branham had come off the field crossing America, and he began to preach a series of messages on God keeps his word. Seven messages in six months in total, but he went over, and, and he was... He was was trying to separate where America as a nation was going. They were going into a fantastics. Their spirit was leading them into a a, a church that was mixing with the world. A church that was uniting itself and giving itself to pleasures, to worldly influences. And he says, but he couldn't go. I'm so thankful God built him that way. We needed a, a man that was sold out to the word of God. We needed a prophet again in this last days. We needed the spirit of Christ. And he began to see it. and He spoke on God keeps his word and how every word will be fulfilled and everything will be brought to a time. And I, I was looking at that and then I, I was reading a little bit in the message, God proves his word, 1964. While I was away, I was listening to a tape. I was driving one day. When you're, when you're in Vancouver to drive from one end to the other end takes a long time. Uh, especially in traffic situations. So I I thought, I'm going to use the time wisely. And I I listened to God God is proving his word. So how does he make his word known to his people? He said, now watch the wisdom of God. He knew there would be unbelievers. The majority would be unbelievers. But by foreknowledge, he predestinated a seed to every age that would believe it. Every age goes right on with his word, moving right in time. Nothing hinders God. He goes right on. Every click is moving just exactly right. We think sometimes it's not going to work right, but don't you worry. His clock is timed just exactly to the split instant. Everything's working just right. You can follow this through. You can take the word fulfilled and do a bible search on fulfilled and and Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the Old Testament, he was the Old Testament masterpiece. So is the bride, the New Testament masterpiece. But he fulfilled every word that the prophet said. And you just take the word fulfilled and you go through the book of Matthew, and I could give you probably eight, nine, ten different places, and it was written that the people that sat in darkness saw a light, so Jesus went by this way, that it may be fulfilled that it may be fulfilled. And it happened time and time again. God watches over his word. The Bible, would uh, it would go so far, Jesus even going up to the crucifixion, he's there on the cross, and, and the scripture would say that there would not, uh, a, a, a bone in his body bo- body be broken. Well, th- when the cross was there, they would often take, just to make sure that the, the victim that was hanging on the cross, they would break their bones just so that they would sink and they would asphyxiate. That they couldn't prop themselves up anymore. And they would break their bones. So here comes a Roman soldier and he comes to break the bones. He's ready to hit the bones and he looks and he said, he's dead already. And he put the hammer down or whatever he used, that the scripture might be fulfilled. God watches over his word. God will not leave one word unfulfilled. He will take every part of it. Now, let me read the next part. He says, now, remember, he keeps all of his promises of blessing as he does his cursings. Now, it gets a little bit more at home. We can point out there and say, this is moving that way. This is moving that way. But let's go in here and say, where are we moving? And, and you have all come this morning. Some of you have been in the message longer than I have been. Some of you have gone through things. Some of you have. We believe, we all believe, we have the truth. And there are sometimes things we hold true but we seemingly can't attain to. It seems like, I know that's true, but I keep coming up to that and slipping back, slipping back. That's where we need God. That's, God's not gonna overlook it, but he's gonna give you grace to go through it. He's gonna help you in it, because he's there, he's on our side. He predestinated man with faults and with failures. The prophets were all with faults. They were all with failures. He predestinated you and me. And you might think you were perfect. But as you go along, you find out you're not so perfect. I'm not perfect for sure. That's why I'm still here. That's why I'm being cleansed. That's why I'm being washed. And there's something that he's working on us this morning. I I trust that you can be flexible this morning. I trust we're not just old wineskins that have become brittle and that we can't be moved, we can't be changed. Let's be changed this morning. Let's allow the Word of God to move us, shape us, and form us. The only thing you'll take with you is your character. And that's what you're going to present to God. You can't say, well, I did this, I did this, I did this, I got this doctrine right. No, what comes into your life Rising of the sun. Satan doesn't care how religious you are. He doesn't care how correct you are in your doctrine. But if you miss that life, you have missed everything. So the, the word needs to become flesh. So he would say, he keeps his promises. Every promise God keeps, you have to choose which one you want. His blessings or his cursings. If you pervert it and believe the perversion side of it, you're cursed. If you believe it the way you wrote it and hold on to it, you're blessed. He keeps every word, both his blessings and his cursings. Matthew 26, if you will, just to use a couple scriptures. I I had probably a few different directions I could go, but I want to get to something, so just... Give me a little grace, if you will, this morning. Matthew 26, let's read verse, this is when, maybe we'll start the reading in verse 52, Brother Mark, sorry, I'll back it up a bit there. So here's when Jesus is in the garden, and in the preceding verse, they come to lay hands on him, and Peter, with the sword, And the bad aim. Bad aim, yeah, he wasn't aiming for just the ear. He was aiming for the head. And he he did that. And Jesus said to him, put up again thy sword into his place, for all that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou not that I shall pray to my Father and he shall present me more than 12 legions of angels? Look at the rest. He could, he could have just said the word, but he submitted himself. This is our example. He submitted himself. And he said, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus must it be? And Jesus, in the, in the same hour, said, Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out as a, as a, against a thief with swords and staves to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you laid no hold on me. Now, here's verse 56. All this was done that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Now, somebody's going to fulfill the Scriptures. Somebody's going to fulfill the Scriptures of those that in the last days there'll be a great falling away. Those Scriptures, somebody's going to fulfill that. Just like there was a Pilate that had to be there, a Herod had to be, so the leaders that are here now have to be fulfilled. There would have to be the man of sin that would be revealed. There would have to be Judas's rise up. And Brother Branham would say that, actually. But there would also be a people that would fulfill the word of God. Now, I'm, I'm going to just take you a little further. Go to Revelation 17. I'm going to just be brief and concise with a few thoughts as I preamble up to where I want to get to today. So, Revelation 17, let's take verse 8. This is a time we're living in. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder. Now, If you you read the first seven verses of chapter 17, it talks about a woman on seven hills that the kings of the earth committed fornication with, having a a scarlet-colored beast and arrayed in purple and mystery Babylon, and she was drunken with the blood of the saints, and John looked at her with admiration, and then the angel rebuked, and says, why are you looking with admiration? Here's the truth. And he saw what the truth of it was, and he says, now, you and I, if, if, if we can be honest about this, if the message had not come across our path, we would be swept up. We would be sitting in a church somewhere. We might be out there with placards and demonstrating against the government or we might be just going along with, with with the moves that are there. But God in his mercy brought this to us and he left a little seed in us and and therefore we say, Abba, Father, I can't help but follow that thing that, that you've made and we give ourselves to that. So now look look at how the world's given. So... They're wondering, it says, this beast will go into a bottomless pit to perdition. They that are on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world while they held the beast that was and is not and yet is. I, I, Lord willing, I want to get to that next week. But he says, now here is the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. That's the women. The woman, I, I, I'm going to try and preserve some time You can read this, but let's go down to verse 13. It talks about these kings and says, they have one mind and they give their power and strength unto the beast. Now, how can two walk together except they agree? But they're brought together by a spirit. And I would just say, and I need to give this anti-type to bring this type in. Even around the message, we all have our ideas. We all believe we have the perfect word. It, it's, it, we believe it's a perfect message. And it's, it's, it's been, uh, the, the message has been given. It's, it's the interpretation. is a divine interpretation by revelation. It's, it's, it's done, God's vindicated it. But yet we all hold parts of the word. Some will hold it more dearly. Some will just say, ah, oh, that doesn't matter. But we're actually living in a time where we've got to allow everything everything to come and be a part of us. And now you're not going to convince everybody to be in the same mind and the same mindset. Some come from backgrounds where they've been deeply hurt. They would have a trouble accepting one thing. Others come from cultural backgrounds where it's easy for me to believe such and such. Others come from uh, experiences and different things and we have different characters, different mindsets. But we need to have one mindset above all. Whatever he says, I will do it. Whatever God reveals to me, I say, Abba, Father. And, and, and so sometimes the devil will major on us as we're coming to that place. And not everybody that says their message, our message. Uh, let, let's be honest. I, that's not easy to say. But 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 we want everybody to come. Listen, Brother Branham would say the same thing in unveiling of God. He says, now, you can't go out and say everything direct, but you have to say things sometimes that will cause some to go away, that will cause some to hear it, and cause some to say, where else could we go? So, so... What our mindset is, if if the anti-type is the world where they're coming together, though they're differing, but they're bound by one spirit so will we who are going to go in a rapture be bound by one spirit. Though I can't see my brother and where he's coming from or my sister, but I respect them and I'll pray for them and I will have the love of God in my heart. And the Bible says love will cover a multitude of sins. But the devil's job is to divide. The devil's job is to point fingers. The devil's job is, and sometimes we, we need the finger pointed right at us. Listen, I, I, I'll, I have to be direct and I have to be compassionate at the same time. Brother Brown said a pastor is a man that needs to have a meek and a humble way about him. Just so that he can allow God to minister, but not too meek and too humble. He still has to take out the rope, and he has to point it in our eyes, and sometimes we need to respect where that's coming from. But we're living in an age, I don't like the way he said that. I'll go over there. I got my own interpretation. We need to submit ourselves to God. You're not submitting to a man. You're submitting yourself to God's order. Somewhere you've got to submit. Your heart has to be. Now if the world's giving their heart, listen, you can say, well, you know, Brother Ed, I, I, I'm, I'm happy when you preach on predestination and when you preach on love and caring, but I hate it when you stick your finger in my face. you got to take the whole thing. And I, listen, I can be wrong and I can be corrected. And I need to be corrected. And I want to be open enough to say, if you think I'm wrong on something, I'm approachable. Come and talk to me. Don't stand and talk behind my back. Talk to me. Come come to one another. Let us reason together. We're all trying to follow Christ, aren't we? Let's submit ourselves to him. Uh, Now those things weren't in my notes, but I said them anyway, and I'm not going to take them back. So he would say this, verse 13, they have one mind, they shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These, now look at where the Spirit's leading them. These shall make war with the Lamb... So it's against Christ, antichrist. And the lamb shall overcome them. He is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. I want to be submitted to him. Let me hear his voice. His voice makes the difference. Now it would go on to talk about the whore, the nations, the peoples in verse 15, the 10 horns, which are 10 kings, that these that thou sawest, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now look at verse 17. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until these words of God shall be fulfilled. Now you talk about a uniting, but it's not a false uniting. It's not a word uniting. And, and the word is not just the word where we agree intellectually and compare quote with quote, but we give our heart to it. Now if, 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 if I have an understanding of one thing and you have another, I, I'll share something. Years ago we had a visiting brother come in here and he ministered and he spoke something and he said a phrase that just said, I don't see that. And you know what? I come to find out, I let a few years go by, and I found a place where Brother Branham said, ah, that is true. I stand corrected. I can be corrected. That's a great thing. We can all be corrected. That's a wonderful thing. So they, they fulfill, they give their hearts until the words of God be fulfilled. Now, jump over with me to, to 2 Thessalonians for a moment. This scripture is always on my heart, always in my mind. I don't often come back to it, but 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to catch the spirit, and as we, we, we really talked on the spirit of truth, and I'll come to a scripture here right away. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that as God he sitteth and showeth himself that he is God. Now, I, I, I got everybody's very serious. I got you into this frame. I gotta back you off a little bit. You know, I, I showed my wife an article yesterday. The, the Vatican came out and they had to decree something that one of their bishops or the cardinals said. One of their bishops or cardinals had told a, a bunch of young children and said, There is no Santa Claus. And so the Vatican had to issue and say, We apologize that this was offensive and we've reprimanded the cardinal. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and everybody said, Okay. It's not quite enough, but we'll, we'll accept it. My goodness. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm coming to that yet. I'm coming to that. Okay, I just brought that in now. <laughs> but you know, it's what, what, what do they say? What do they do? You know, what, 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 it, what is all of that? So it says now, Paul, Paul is saying, remember you not when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Now you know that, he, that with, I got to slow down. And now you know that which withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. So something was holding back this revealing. Just like something was holding back the church from coming to its maturity. But now it's a maturing of both sides. So there is a bride that's coming and rising up. She is on the scene. She's coming even now. You know, the greatest event of Christmas, or what the world celebrates of Christmas, of Jesus Christ, was not just the birthday and whatever day it was, but it's what happened nine months earlier. When a woman that had a womb for the word to come, and an angel came to her with the word and said, A virgin, you'll you'll receive that which is of you, is, is of the Holy One. And she said, I believe that. And something began to form. And something began to shape. You know the greatest thing that's happening right now? Is we are here, but we're not yet revealed to the world. Every once in a while I get these these thoughts. I'm driving along, and then I I saw this really nice car. And I thought, you know, I'm even thinking, I'm driving this car, and I like this car. I said, man, I would have loved to have this car 20 years ago before it was ever made. And I would have loved to pull up and go down the block with it, and everybody'd be looking. Well, I thought that's kind of a carnal thing, you know, in a way, but I thought that's who we are. The world doesn't know right now that there's a people that are the sons and daughters of God. They are being revealed. They are, they are here, but they're hidden. The God of this world has blinded them. But they're here now. They're making themselves ready. They're preparing for that day. Oh, don't get weary in preparing for that day. Your glory, the glory of God, will be revealed in you one day. If you give yourself to it. Now, Brother Branham takes this a little bit, and he talks this scripture in the first seal. Now he talks about the mystery, this is verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity does already work, only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. Now, there's a lot of he's and, and, and things there, but I, I believe we have the perfect interpretation. And Brother Branham would say, now, he that led us, see, the mystery of, of iniquity way back in that first church. What is iniquity? It's something you ought not to do, and you do it anyhow. And Paul said, these are such on the earth today, these are the, the, the ones that, that work iniquity. Now he, he reads a little further, and then, he, let, let me, there's another part, I've, I, I didn't maybe bring this, This is the part. Okay, here it is. For the mystery of iniquity does work. He, he puts this in brackets. Deceivers, deceiving the people into something. Only he, God, that letteth, will let, until he, the church, Christ, the bride, be taken out of the way. So it can't, right now, your presence here is holding off some of that. You standing for the word is holding off the wrath of God right now. Because God has deposited some of himself into us. Then shall the wicked one be revealed. So where am I here? Yeah, verse 8. And he says, at the breaking of the seal, Brother Ram says, not in my time, but at the time when it will be revealed. See, Paul's writing this. Whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth. We're going to get to that after a while. The spirit of his mouth, watch what that is, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, I, I went into Romans chapter 1 on Wednesday a little bit. And, and, and if you look at verses 10 to 12 here, it talks about all the deceivableness of righteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. Now, you might, in your mind, struggle with things that are hard in the message sometimes, but you need to recognize, and God will bring you back to it time and time again, until you can receive it. God gives you grace. And he says, now, to have the love of the truth, that will help you. You, you might struggle with it. You might buck it. You might grumble at it. But, but give yourself to it. Why? Because the reciprocal is far worse. Verse, verse 11. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they might believe a lie. You know, at some point, you're, you're going to say, the message says, this is, uh, let, let's just take some, this is the way you, 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 you need to pay tithes. This is how you need to dress. These are, 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 are simple things. This is things you should not do. These are, and, and you can say, ah, God made an exception for me. No, he doesn't make an exception for anybody. But he gives you grace to fulfill his word. And and we need to ask for that. Say, Lord, I, 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 this is condemning me. It bothers me. It's not right. I don't want it to be there. Help me with it, Lord. And I believe if you keep coming, God will help you. God will give you grace to go through it. But we need to all have something and says, This is not right, but Lord, you make everything right in my life. And he says, and for this cause, cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, and they might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, I've taken all of that, and I really have a whole bunch more, but let's just take a couple more verses, and I want to take, I'm going to skip a big part of this, and I'll leave it, but let's go to John 16, verse 12. Are you with me this morning? Great. John 16, verse 12. Jesus speaking to his disciples, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, he. So some people say, you know, the Holy Ghost is just in your mind. No, the Bible says, when he, the person, The very one comes to live in you. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the things we're seeing fulfilled, the prophecies, the things, that's God showing us things, and and we need to receive them. We need to understand them. Now I'm going to... Um, I need to just pull this up. Okay, I'm having trouble opening it. Just like you, Brother Ray, this morning with your computer. Okay, so I, I want to read this. Brother Brown is talking, and he's referring to these same verses. And he will show you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and shall show you all things. There was a message where Brother Branham spoke and I reminded of it that as, as the brothers went up into the mountains, Brother Branham would say, and he was with the brothers hunting and I believe it was in the northern mountains of BC, and he said, this is where God goes to rest from all the troubles that we give him. And I think we never imagine that God grows weary of us sometimes. Me? Yes, you. Me too. And, and we cause him much grief. So that message was spirit of truth. And Brother Branham would use this scripture in, in that message. And then he begins to just talk. And he says how everything has been planted. Everything has been given for God. The flowers, the stars, all of that. Everything obeys him but man. And he said... It seems that God has a battle to get man to do what is right and to obey him. So down through the history of the church, God is trying to get a man in his control. He's always used one man at one time. He said, two men have two ideas. He said, he makes one man, he represents himself to that person. He, he's got just one person today, and that person is the Holy Spirit God sent that forth, the Spirit of Christ, to manifest the life of Christ, or to continue the life of Christ through the church. Now, if if you read that, there's some marvelous things he says. Now, he says, if we would stop and think, we get in flusterations and doubts, well, must I press in? He says, it isn't that. It's just yielding, see? Realizing that you're nothing and just let him completely take you over. Your thinking take over. Now, I don't mean walk up with Christ in a blank mind, but just say, Lord, here I am. Now, write your word in my heart. Like you said to your disciples, there's things that you you could not, they would not bear them. Perhaps that's our case. We cannot understand them. Now, I, there's, there's much in this message that I could, could read, but I'm, I'm going to try and just summarize it. Brother Branham makes this statement here, and he would say, As a young Christian, I was glad that God got a hold of me before the church did. Because the worst thing you can do is to be indoctrinated by, by religious spirits and thinking and such. And, and Brother Branham would even go farther and say, it would be easier for God to work with a right spirit and a wrong doctrine than to have the right doctrine and a wrong spirit. So, uh, I'm, 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 I'm bringing all of this out, and, and I, I don't want just, to just read all of this because it's going to take us to it, and I don't have the time for it. But I'm going to ask you to go with me. Just go back now to Exodus 24. My time is just, that clock is moving too fast. Brother Tim, could you just wind it back a little, if you don't mind? Just that would help me a little bit today. Exodus 24. Now, I, I want you to think, we major much on, we'll say, words like, you got to line up with the word. you got to be in the word. And we make it all mechanical. And we make it, like, and, and often when we say that, we use our selfish interpretation of the word to bring to someone else. And we say, and, and, and as a minister, you have to be very careful. And, and I just read a quote where Brother Graham said, I have to be very careful realizing there's people that hang on to every word I say. Now, even as a minister, and I'm not at that level, but I, I, I'm coming in and saying, i got to be careful I don't present Ed Hammermeister's ideas but that I allow the word to speak before me. Oftentimes, somebody comes and something comes up and our righteous indignation comes up and we speak back through emotion. We rail back right away and it's counterproductive to moving forward. Or we try to clamp down on someone. You gotta see this or you're not in. Come on, you've never done that, or you can say, "Yeah, do whatever you want." That's the other side. <laughs> do whatever you want. It's it's fine. God loves you. No, it's not. There's a, there's a there's a middle of the road. There's some balance we need in our Christian walk here. Now, Exodus 24. This is uh, when Moses brings all the elders together, and and now they're initiating temple worship, the priesthood, and everything, and the people, but. The law is a shadow of good things to come. Verse 3, and Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. I love that attitude. That was the attitude under Joshua. When they said, whatever you say, we will hold to it. Only follow thou all that Moses did before you. I believe that ought to be our attitude towards our church, towards the ministry, towards our brothers and sisters. Yes, we're working together. We're a team. We're here to help one another. So Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. He rose up early in the morning. He built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. So what's he doing? He's identifying the people that will hear the message as he's erecting this, this, this altar. He's, he's including them. Now, when God sent the word, he thought of you. He didn't just think of Brother Branham and, and you're scrambling to make your way into it. No, you were a part of it. And you need to see that and say, God thought of me. He knows where I'm at, where I'm coming from. He's going to help me. So he says, and he sent young men, verse 5, of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. Now, God's only place of fellowships under the blood. Now watch what happens here. Moses took half the blood, this is from the peace offerings of the oxen, he took half the blood and he put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar So he sprinkled it on the altar. That's where atonement was made. That was where fellowship could be. That's where everything could be. And then he takes the book of the covenant with a half a bowl of blood still there. And he says, and he took the blood of, the book of the covenant. What is the book of his covenant? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, and he read in the audience of the people and they all said, all that the Lord has said We will do and be obedient. Now, not one of us can fulfill it. So Moses does something here now. And Moses took the blood, already half on the altar, but he took the blood and now he sprinkles it on the people. He sprinkles it on the people. It's not just on the book. Yeah, the book is open. It's the bleeding word. But it's got to be taken on flesh. We've got to be washed. We've got to have grace. We've got to have the blood in our thoughts, in our feelings, one towards another, in our approach unto God. It's not just enough. Line up with the word. No, we need grace. He sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant. Why? The first covenant, do this, do that. Man could not do it. But God's working towards something. He's he's chosen Abraham. And, And by grace, he chose Abraham. And he brought Abraham. By grace, he chose you and I. Knowing we'd have shortcomings. If God puts it in the hearts of men to fulfill his word... If God is, is working on that end, he has to work on this end. He has to work in our midst. Oh, well, you know, Brother Ed, you know, I've had people tell me, around the message, there's so many ideas. So many this or that. But I'm saying, somewhere there needs to be a spirit of truth as we move forward. It's more than just, this is the book, line up with it. That has to happen in our homes That has to happen in our relationships with one another. We need the blood sprinkled on us. Not just the book. We need it on us. The problem sometimes is right here. Oh, Brother Ed, my, you're just, you're right on us this morning. Yeah, I'm on me too. Okay, I I could read more, but I'm going to jump ahead to uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Now, Paul picks this up, and, and he will say in verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. Let, let me just move ahead. Verse 19, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, and he took the blood of calves and of goats, and of with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and he sprinkled both the book and all the people. Why? Because God wants to bring these two together. It's not just good to have the book here and the people here. He's doing it. And what's the next verse say? It said, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. He's bringing us into him. Did you ever read in Christ the mystery of God, one of the most astounding statements in all the Bible, in all the the message? He said, The church is the blood by the Spirit. Now, you need to think about that a long time. And you ask yourself, am I representative of that message? Is it in my spirit? Does it utter forth in my obedience? Does it reciprocate? Can people look at it? We we spoke the scripture uh, in Philippians. There's men that hold the truth in unrighteousness. There's people that take the message, they are so dogmatic about it, and it becomes almost like a, a venomous thing if you don't see it. Well, I'll tell you what, no wonder people don't want the message. If that's how you present it. You know, we need to learn. You know, sometimes, and, and, and I say this, there's two sides to this. My, oh my. I, I really need an extra 15 minutes today just to get where I'm going to go to. I'm gonna I'm gonna just slowly switch gears here now, and I'm gonna take one application this morning. Can I do that? I just need need to do it, brother Branham. You know he he will say this. In 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 there are three musts, and he would actually no oh, wrong here. He says there's three musts. You must not misinterpret the word. It well I believe it means this. We need to let God vindicate his word. He means just what it said. It needs no interpreter. And you must not misplace the word and you must not dislocate the word. And if you do either of these it throws the whole Bible into confusion. Now, he actually speaks a message doing God trying to do God a service of his will. He speaks it a couple times before he left. The last message is, I believe there's things there that we need to take heed to. Now I'm going to I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm going to go to the first message, Brother Branham, ever we have ever recorded on tape. And this message is preached in uh, December 25th, Christmas Day. The first message ever preached, Christmas Day, and and it's it's called the Deity of Jesus Christ, and he speaks it, and he, and he. He begins to speak and he's addressing what's happening at Christmas. Now, I need to do this a little bit because I think we need, uh, I, I'm doing it for one reason because there are people within the framework of the message say, That is pagan, that is heathen, I've got nothing to do with it. And they've got quotes to justify it. And there's other people say, it's a nice time of year. Brother Branham did this and I can do this and I, therefore I should be able to do that. Okay? And you know what we do? We take the truth and we create division this way and we create division that way and we miss the real thing. And Satan has his way. And there's this camp, I'm not budging. And there's this camp, I, I, this is what I have, these are my rights. Listen, Jesus said... Old wineskins become brittle and break. So whatever you're entrenched in this morning, lay it down. Are you good with that? I believe the real truth. There's a truth there. Now I'm using this as an example because I could preach it next Sunday, but by then you'll all be in the middle of what you're going to do anyway, and you probably are now anyway. But I'm just saying, allow yourself to be washed a little bit this morning. Allow the blood to sprinkle you a little bit. Give a little room for your brother. Give a little room for this. There's a truth here. Are we good with this? I just need to do this a little bit this morning. So he says this. I'm speaking this morning on the deity of Christ. So it is, so you'll know who it is that we're worshiping today. Not a baby in a manger. Oh, people love Christmas. Because Jesus is just a baby. And he's not the one who had the the rope out. They they love to keep him there. Stay there. Quiet now. Hush, hush. No. <laughs> he says, we're not worshiping a baby in a manger. Certainly not Santa Claus. We're worshiping Almighty God in the deity of his son. Notice he said, God himself in a spirit into Jesus Christ. God was in Christ, revealed the world, reconciling the world to himself. Jehovah lived in Christ, made a kinsman to us, born in human flesh, blood cells developed by God, flesh cells developed in the womb of Mary, brought forth the child. God came down and lived in human flesh. And now, Brother Brown makes this statement, now we can talk about the deity of Jesus Christ, that was the deity of God, come in here. But now Brother Branham makes this statement. He says, and brother, sister, that deity's in you. Oh, wow. Okay. Listen, if, if you haven't noticed, the malls are getting more full. The parking lots are getting more full. The people are starting to get more friendly because they're getting in the spirit of Christmas. And, and even people come to church that haven't been at church for a while. If you come here for the first time, forgive me. I'm not pointing at you. But I'm saying, the spirit of Christmas, it's a real spirit. Brother Len, we, we were talking about it the other night. Men that are cussing and doing this. You know, just, just the last days, oh, here, here's a present for you. Here's this, this is for you. And two days later, they're back to beating you up. I'll tell you what, the spirit of Christians is greater than the spirit of Christmas. Be a Christian through the Christmas time. I I, I had some quotes here, and I can't share them all. I will not have time for it. Brother Bannerman would say, people go on vacations to let loose. Why do they do that? Because they don't let it out on Christ. You watch people that go to church, they go on holidays, it's like they're not even in the message anymore they 're going to to this event and they 're going to that event and and, and you know they're they 're dressed as beach attire or whatever you want to call it hey, you can 't even identify them as Christians. You can do the same thing with Christmas too. Oh, just just lay everything aside that we 've ever heard, and let 's enter into the season okay well, hold on a second here uh, <laughs> now you know, see where I'm going. i 'm I'm, going've she said, said now. That deity is in you. A little while the world sees me, you'll see me. Even in you, I'll be with you, even in you at the end of the age. Christ in the manger, question mark. No, Christ in you. Hallelujah. We're not worshiping Christ in the manger, but Christ in you, the Holy Ghost, the hope of glory, the hope of life, the creator in the human being. Oh, there's parts of this. Okay, now let me back up. Are, are you you're just okay with this, all right? I need, I need to say this because we're there. There's parts of this I wanted to get to that are pagan as pagan can be. I'll, I, I, I want to take it from the Bible, but I can't do that today. So Brother ram says, studying on mythology, this is Christianity versus idolatry. Studying on mythology and all these myths, Christmas itself is a myth. That wasn't a lisp. That, that was a myth, he says now. There's nothing real about Christmas. It wasn't even mentioned in the Bible. They never worshiped the birthday of Christ. There's no such thing. That's a Roman Catholic dogma and not a Christian teaching. No scripture for it anywhere in the Bible until 500 years after the Bible. It's just a myth, Santa Claus commercial. The whole thing is a big conglomeration. And somebody said, "I knew it. I knew you'd be on my side." I'm not finished. Before you amen. Before you amen, watch what you're amening. But there's a truth. Now he says, I can take you to history. He said, he said they, this is the parts I wanted to get to. Brother, I'm summarizing it here. He said, they had a right to put to death any heretic that would disagree with the dogma of the Roman church. And we come the same way. You don't see Christmas the way I do, and we start to get that spirit. You know, the same Jesus that loved them, and we're ready to get out our spiritual swords and and run them through if they don't see it the way we see it. Hold on a second. Why is the blood sprinkled on the people? Because we need it. We need grace with one another. And he says, Sure, St. Augustine of Hippo, that's the Bible scholar. He's the one that passed the verdict, kill all the heretics. That spirit's still alive. Right away, we're, we're ready the minute somebody doesn't see it the way. You know, here's the truth. It's within this, let's just say it's within this, let's say it's within the pulpit, let's call it that. And there's one side, uh, there's one side that's over here, and he says, but we draw a line. You know, I'm in the truth, but we draw a line right down the middle here. And we say, and we start to entrench ourselves and now it's a dogma that we have made ourselves. It's not the truth anymore. It's your own dogma, it's your own belief. And, you're, and by not being balanced, you start to cause friction and division. It's a stronghold in our minds sometimes. Listen, I heard that, and that's, I'm not moving from that. Listen, there's people around the message, they don't want fivefold ministry. But that's not the balance of the message. There's people that say tapes only. Listen, I say tapes and fivefold. I'm including everybody in that because I need the tapes. I need the fivefold ministry. I I, I believe it's all part of what God has for us. Now. Where do you get Christmas? Christ was born in April. Brother Adam says it. He said, the solar system is slowing. He said, the days get a little shorter, the 25th. That's when the Roman sun god had his birthday. There's about five days. That's where they had the Roman circus. There's actually the Eastern Orthodox and and the Western Orthodox. Some of them celebrate on the 25th. Some of them celebrate on the the 6th or the 9th of January. That's where there's a 12-day interlude between the two. That's where the song, the 12 days of Christmas, came just so you know, on the first day of Christmas. I better not sing it. Okay. That's where it came from. And we all hum along. <laughs> and we just get, and you know what? It's pagan. It has no place. Yeah, just, just, just stay with me a little bit here. They say, the whole thing is pagan, To begin with, people on the streets, high-heeled shoes, twisting up and down the streets, running into stores. Somebody said, oh, I'm getting my dad a quarter whiskey. I'm getting him some champagne. I'm getting him a poker set. Celebration of Christmas, pagan devil worship. Oh, Brother Ed, you're definitely on my side. I believe the messenger we had was also sprinkled with the blood. And he gave us a right interpretation of these things. Now he says, I wish what people could see what Christmas is. It means Christ's mass, Catholic, Roman tradition. It's a complete conglomeration of dogma. As the prophet said, it's a putrefied sore, no clean thing. Santa Claus took a Christmas place, the birth in the manger. The rabbits and the chicken with new hats took the resurrection. And where is God in all of this? Right. They started buying Christmas presents months ago. This message is the falling apart of the world. Preached in December 16th. We're not even there yet. But he said they started buying them months ago. And he said, it's a heathen trait. Nothing about it godly. Now, listen, if you find yourself guilty this morning, I'm doing this to prick you. To promote you. If you've become a little bit festive and you just are i 'll just fall in what they all do, or you're on the other side. The truth is all of it, okay The book is true. the people need to be sprinkled too. that even rhymes. Wow, he says now, did you ever think i i, I can 't read all of this Some of this is in falling apart of the world. He talks about the dogmas and he says how they 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 moved it from christ's birthday they moved it to uh, Christmas, and they had chariot races, and then he says, and then the whole thing's wrong, and then he says, Santa Claus, some old man in Germany named Chris Kringle would go around and give p- kids presents on Christmas, Chris, Christ Mass Day. He was a Catholic, and they made him a day, and he's St. Nicholas. Well, he says, I better, you know, we got them in the church ages. Now, he, he would just say, all of this things is bound with tradition. You can't Let loose. So he says now in the message, we have seen a star and come to worship him. Notice Christmas has changed. The real day of Christmas, that could be disputed because we do not know it. But the way we take Christmas, if we study, it's quite often the Roman Catholic Church conception of what Christmas is. He said, it's polluted. He said, if you actually take Sunday, S-U-N day, that actually is a name given by the Catholic Church say, well, I'm not having anything to do with that. I'm not going to go to church on that day. There's a truth there. It's the resurrection day. But the devil will pervert it and use it. But there's still a truth there. Okay? Can you, can you stay with me as I'm, I'm just moving on? He says, now, he says, Santa Claus has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. The commercial world has everything in such a tangle and a mess. There's no hopes for it. It's gone. Now, He's preaching this and his next statement is pretty indicative. He said, now as we set as sour as the bumps on a pickle. He's watching people. You're a Grinch. <laughs> and let such things go on. You're afraid to raise up and testify your conviction. You heard about Santa Claus in the Bible. Now listen to how he says this. Don't teach your children such nonsense as that. Now he's starting to bring it... To, to, to light. You know, the, the, the Roman bishop or whoever he was that got condemned by the church for telling him there's no Santa Claus, listen, he needs to listen to this. Don't teach them. It'll hurt your testimony about Jesus Christ. Or oh, maybe it's the same thing. Put Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, back into Christmas where he belongs. And he says, dear God, that's about all I can say at this time. We're approaching Christmas. Streets are crowded. Boys and girls pushing, shoving. Looks like we're getting our children right into fiction. Roman pagan theology. This Kris Kringle and all these kids on the street. He said, oh, I hate to see it come along. It ought to be a solemn day of worship instead of a heartache for all that's done. There's no Christ in it. Now, uh, there's much I could do. So in we have seen his star, he says. Now, in this hour of darkness, the Christian should be holding forth the light. There is a truth to Christmas. That is the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He said, There is a light in the time of darkness. Now, he goes to say, Brother, when the deity of God, the Holy Ghost, comes into the human heart, this is the deity of Jesus Christ, he says, it calls out everything that Christ hasn't created. Christ, the hope of glory in you, not in the cradle, in you. That was one time, God in the binning, but then he came into Moses. He came in the cradle, and they're worshiping him like some prehistoric something when Christ is in you. Listen, just give me a little bit of grace this morning, if you don't mind. Deed of Jesus Christ. Listen, this, this is just a framework. The very first message that we ever have. It's a memorial of his birthday. What do they do? They get some tree. They cut it down. They make a Christmas tree for the kiddies. Now he says, that's all right. I thought you would fire on that. No, he says, that's all right. I'm not kicking against it. But his next statement is this. But the thing of it is that they put more on the Christmas tree than they do on Christ. Oh. Well, that, that's easy. He says, now, it's so easy, you know, it almost becomes a worship. It's so easy to tell the kiddies, whatever you want to do, as far as I'm concerned, it's easy to fall out into a rut and push out Christ. You know, every year we come along and say, I'm not going to get caught up in this commercialism a couple of days before. Man, I should get a present. And we're running out, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in it. Oh, you didn't, that doesn't happen to you? Okay. Sorry. Brother Ed, you need to shape up. You know, you you can't leave it to the last minute. You can't fall into that spirit. So I'm the only one. Okay. Now, now let's just take this part for a moment. Now, Brother Branham, in God's Wrapped Gift, 1960, I want to take my time, as Brother Neville has said, and he says, I want to wish you the best of Yule tidings of fellowship around these holy days. I like that. He says, I want to take the time to express to each of you how grateful I am to you for your Christmas cards and gifts and these things that was received at our house. Wait a minute. You said it was heathen. Okay, hang on. There's a truth here. And he says, I certainly want to thank you. I got a small boy, small enough yet to kind of want a Christmas tree, and we had it in the room. Oh, my horrors. Oh, oh my. Yikes. That's in the message, Brother Ed. you got to delete that. No, it's there. It's actually there. I had a little boy. Some people say, and Brother you actually, you look up the phrase, kitties and Christmas. He says, I love them little kitties. Yeah, I've I, I got just a few more I want to read here. But he says, you know, and, and the Christmas tree, just, just for the kitties. And, you know, you come over and somebody's got it, and you say, I'm just doing it for the kitties. He says, your, your children are 18 and 19. <laughs> are you sure it's for the kitties? <laughs> wow he says now he says I got a little boy he has a Christmas tree we had it in the room and this morning as I go under there I found several gifts from my church and I immediately pitched them in the fire and threw them out now that's not what it said sorry <laughs> he says oh I sure appreciate that <laughs> wow Brother Ed, you've put us way on a limb here and way on a limb here, but there's a truth in the middle of all of this. He says, now, I appreciate all your prayers. And you say, Santa, Christmas means Christ. I was riding around last night showing the kiddies all the houses that were decorated. Oh, it was awful nice. Now, I would never put lights on my tree, on on my tree, on my house. Well, Brother Branham said it was kind of nice. And if you're honest and you drive around and it's dark and you look, that kind of looks nice. Wow. There's liberty in serving God. <laughs> so he says, and now he says, and if I, I thought if I ever would put anything on my house, it would be a neon sign. What? Yeah, and this is what he said. Trusting Christ will be in your Christmas. (laughs) Oh, put Christ into Christmas. Listen to what he's saying here as I'm winding my ways down here. Brother Neville, he says, I wanted to bring my Christmas message to the people, but, you know, some of them come from far away, so I took the service Sunday morning instead of Brother Neville so that the people from Georgia and them other places could get back home to do their Christmas shopping. Did you read that right, Brother Ed? Yes, I did. He says, and we're going to have a little program, a little Christmas play next Sunday. Oh, my goodness. This has just taken my theological warfare and armor off, and I'm being disarmed. No, there's an order. And he says now, he's, he's at a place, in, and he's preaching a message paradox, and he's saying, I, I, I want to preach a message. He's, he's holding some meetings in different places, and he says, I, I, I would like to preach my Christmas message, but I'm going to hold off because it means your children will be disappointed on the night of Christmas. He's, he's actually giving place to it. And he says, you won't have your, to leave your kitties out for Christmas Eve. I'll send you the tape of the meeting. Wow, this is amazing. And now he's having another one. He's saying, we have another meeting here in Yakima, Washington. And he says, I don't, I don't I, you know, and we're, we're they're wanting another meeting, but I don't want to take away from the money you might be spending for Christmas. Okay, it's 59, 1126, Jehovah of Miracles. You can read it. He says, I says, I don't, I don't go to other meetings because I don't want them to put money that support the meetings, that those little fellows would miss something at Christmas. That would make me feel bad. Actually, he says a lot about the little kitties. Now, if we have to give a definition to what kitties are, we'll do it. You know, it's Christmas. He says, those kitties, you can't tell them different. You know what? You can make the message so rigid. We have nothing to do with Christmas, and they're sitting there and watching everybody else. I think you can demonstrate something of goodwill and and good something to your children. Okay, I knew that there was extremes, but we need to bring the truth of it, okay? He says now, he, he's saying, it's Christmas time for them, and they wouldn't have had their little sock hung up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's a tradition, he says, in our nature. He says, many things are traditions. Oh, man, I got so much to, to, to different things and quotes. Let me just take it this way. I'm going to summarize it with this. This is in the message, so we would see Jesus. He said, Christmas is here to stay. We got to work with it. We can't help it. And he also said, tubeless tires are here to stay. I don't like them. I hate them, but they're here to stay. Okay, maybe you didn't know the difference, but those of you who are older will know. He says, these things are going to go on and on. He says, but I want to bring these points. Let's wind down. He says, they have taken the sacredness from Christmas. Not to make it a worship day, but a celebration. You should never celebrate Christmas. It's a day of worship. You say, well, it's not the right time of year. He says, what difference does it make? Then do it in July or August. And you want to pass out presents, your neighbors will look and say, I'm celebrating Christmas. That's fine. Or I'm worshiping at Christmas. Now, I I want to just just take this. I'm going to have... Musicians come right away. Um, okay, let me, let me take this. He, he actually tells, in the falling of the part, he tells a story about a true spirit of Christmas, the falling part. I don't have time to read the whole story. But it's basically similar to a man who said, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas this year. He says, I'm going to just have a, a dinner. I'm going to have some gifts. I'm going to just have it for Christ alone. And he says, I decked the table, I'm not going to get into all this commercialism. And he decked the, cab- the table, and he says, and then he's waiting for Christ to come. Nobody came, nobody came. Brother Ram was telling this story. And then he says, and finally this old man, this old beggar came in, and he says, I, do you have a little something to eat? Sure. He says, I, I'm, I'm waiting for someone, but you can come in. You know, and, and he came in, and he gave him something, he gave him something. And then after he left, and he says, Lord, where were you? I was looking for you. He said, in so much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Now there's a true spirit. Now let me just bring a little bit more balance back into it. He says, oh brother, sister, it would be nice if each of us could just lay aside all this Christmas tinsel, quit all this swapping of gifts, one with another, all the nonsense of the world, take our, off our pride and lay it down, stomp the thing underfoot and say, Lord Jesus, guide me to the perfect light. Does that mean I like, have nothing to do with it or does it mean what else, or ever, everything else he said? It means if you're, as musicians come, he means if you've got just loose and lax, and you're just doing this, and you know, I I I, I walk sometimes after hours through the mall. They got some music on. It's kind of nice at this time. They got decorations and 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 such. And but I listen to all the songs. Nothing of Christ in the songs. And if you actually take, I, I was scanning through a top list of Christmas songs. You had to go past 50 up to 70 before Christ's name was in it. So there is a spirit of Christmas. But there's a spirit of Christ that is greater than just the spirit that the world is in. There's a sacredness to it. There's a reality to it, and so if, if you got one that just leans a little more that way or leans a little, don't condemn them. Don't do it that way. Let's keep moving to the right thing. Is that all right this morning, Brother Ed? You you didn't preach that they shouldn't have Christmas trees. You didn't listen. I haven't had a Christmas tree forever. I don't have them. I never really did, except when I was in the world. But my wife does put up a few. Garments, a few lights, because I kind of like it. I like the atmosphere. I like the worship. I, I I like the fellowship with people that we can get together. Don't don't be saying, "Well, I am not, I, brother Ed." I thought more of you till I just heard that. No, just be honest. Be honest. If brother Madam liked the lights, I can like the lights too. Doesn't mean I have a Christmas tree. Doesn't mean I, have, I get caught up in the whole thing. In fact, I, I always like to go out and walk somewhere on Christmas Day and just say, Lord, this is my time with you. I like to have somebody in and say, Lord, this is somebody that I want to honor you by having them in. Is that all right? And we get caught in. Tr- Listen, that was, that was probably cut a little short, a little bit tight. But I, do you see where we need a balance? You can take quotes in the message, and you can be, you can cut with them if you want, or you can say, hold on, somewhere there's a truth here. Give me the right spirit, Lord. Christmas is here to stay. You no, know, what, what are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm just going to sit at home and mope. Okay, well then, go ahead. It's fine. God bless you. Have a great time. <laughs> anyway, let's stand together. We're all, are we all good with that this morning? Amen. You know, the devil, this is Christmas is one thing. But I say, the the devil will try and do that with the COVID. He'll try and do it with doctrines in the message. He'll try and create divisions and distractions. He'll try and get your mind off the real thing. And and, and if we're on the one camp, you, you don't see it my way, you're a heathen. And we divide one another. How did you come to it in your nature? Was it somebody clamping down on you? Or did you receive it as from Christ? No, it's your truth, Lord. I want to serve you. You mean all the world to me. I want to honor you. I don't want to be involved in heathen thinking and heathen ways. I, I, I want to be real. I want to be genuine. My, what am I going to sing after saying all of that? Wow. What's that? Well, I, I, I know. We sang that already. I believe he loves me. I just don't know if you love me, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, my, my. Oh, come, let us adore him. We're going to start to get a little bit in that direction if we can.
0: O oh, come, let us adore